this interesting quote the other day, and it says this, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Let me say it again. Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. I want you to think about that for a moment this morning. What does it look like to expect great things from God? I wonder today if you came into the gathering expecting God to move. Or was it just another Sunday? Was it just another day where I'm going to gather together, I'll see some friends, that'll be great. Maybe I'll get some good coffee. Uh, it'll be a break because my kids will be down in Bethany Kids. Man, that'll, it'll be a break in the morning. What were you expecting from God? Because what expectation does is expectation then leads to moments where we begin to attempt things. 76, 77 years ago, two women attempted to believe God for something here in Adrian, Michigan. They believed that God wanted to uh, plant a spirit-filled church here in Lenaway County. And so they came and they began ministering to kids, and they began pouring into their lives, and through the kids, they began getting connected with moms and dads, and, and when they were connected with moms and dads, they began gathering together, and, and then when the building wouldn't work, they actually met in cars, and they were meeting outside, and, and whatever they had to do to see the gospel go forth, to see people growing and taking steps in their relationship with Christ, that's what they did. They were believing God because they were expecting great things from him, and they attempted great things for God. And as I read that quote, I had this thought. What is it in your life that you have not attempted? What is the dream that God put in your heart that you haven't attempted yet? What's the conversation that you know you need to have with a loved one or a friend that you haven't attempted yet? What's the thing that God put inside of you that he said, this is what I'm believing for you to do, just take that first step. Just, just attempt to do great things. And I wonder why. I think sometimes it's because we begin instantly to look at our resources. I know I do that, right? When, when I think about attempting something, I always look back and I go, okay, now what do I have to accomplish the task that's in front of me? Sometimes I look to my own talents and I go, oh, I'm not talented enough. Sometimes I look to my own resources. I don't have enough money or I don't have enough resource. Sometimes what happens in life is we immediately begin to look at what I have versus what does God have. There's a big difference when we go out and try to attempt things for God and we recognize that it's his resources that we have access to versus our resources. We're apprehensive. God puts the dream inside of us. Maybe it's a dream for a business or maybe it's going back to school or, or maybe it's starting a ministry or maybe it's applying for a new job. You name it, you fill in the blank. It's something that God's been stirring your heart over. But instead of attempting it, you're apprehensive. We fall back. But one of the things that we're constantly challenged by is the men and women whose names are in the pages of Scripture who attempted great things for God. It's men and women who began to realize that it was never about what they brought to the table, but it was always about what God had already brought to the table. 
They relied upon the power of God and his presence to be in him. Ephesians 3.20 is a passage that we're very familiar with. It says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church, Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I love how the message translation reads. It says, for God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request. Beyond your wildest dreams. And he does it not by pushing us around, but by his spirit deeply and gently working inside of us. See, it's God who changes every scenario. It's God who gives us the ability to attempt the impossible. In fact, today, we should sing together. In fact, today is a day that you already know. It's the birthday of the church. So could you help me out? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear church. Happy birthday to you. That's the first I've ever sang happy birthday <laughs> in church, in a gathering for the church. But today is the birthday of the church. 50 days ago was Easter. You may not know that. But seven Sundays ago was Easter. And on the seventh Sunday, the 50th day, is the day of Pentecost. It's a day that was celebrated as the day of festival or the, or the festival of weeks. And as we begin to recognize what that day means, we realize it's the birthday of the church. It's, it's the day where we realize that we're actually better together. Come on now. That you and I are actually better together. Then we're, we're not better alone. We're better together. It's when we are together that God actually uses us. Could you imagine if I was just a hand? Could you imagine if I was just a leg? No, it's the whole body in operation together that allows me to be standing up here Delivering with my voice, delivering with my hands, using my body to move. It's because all of these different parts of my body are working together. When the church is just one or two people, it is incomplete. But when you and I come together, the body of Christ, God uses us in amazing ways to attempt to do great things for God. So we expect great things from God and we attempt to do great things. From God. In the series uh, that we're in right now, it's called Battle Plans. And we've been challenged to remember that we're in a battle. Look at your neighbor right now and say, You're in a battle. You're in a battle. I've been battling a little bit lately, just sickness. I don't know what it is. I don't know, like, I, I'm pretty for sure it wasn't COVID, but it knocked me out. I was in bed all week and then I'm still coughing. You'll probably hear it a little bit throughout the gathering. My breath and lungs is not quite there like it used to be. I was singing and I was like, oh my goodness, I can't belt it out like I used to. I used to be able to lead worship from the front row. And uh, I could just sing that loud right down there. And so if I heard Pastor Eric getting off, I'd just sing a little louder and he'd come back on, you know. I'm just joking. <laughs> just joking. But man, I just, I, I just don't have it. I feel like my, bo my body has been in the midst of a battle. 
And each and every one of us are battling different things right now, whether it's a physical ailment, whether it's something mentally, maybe it's something in your job, maybe it's something in your family, maybe it's a dynamic that you weren't even anticipating, maybe it's in your marriage. I don't know what the challenge is today, but I know that all of us at different times face different challenges. But it's when we actually expect great things from God that we continue to attempt great things for God. Pastor Bryce did an awesome job last week of talking about the idea of what it looks like when friendly fire happens. And I loved hearing from a young leader from among our church body who was challenging us to think differently. He was challenging the church to be better, to actually be better, to not shoot our wounded, quote unquote, but to actually help and to bandage them up and and carry them along, that we're better together. And the week before that, my wife, Kasha, did a great job of talking about the power of prayer and, and what it means to be people who are in the midst of the battle, who are hearing from the voice of God. See, we don't attempt to do things in our own strength. We attempt to do the things that God's speaking to us. And when God says go, we say, all right, God, I'm ready. I'm going. It's the power of prayer. But today I want to remind you that you are in the midst of a battle. And in the midst of the battle, what happens is, is, and I want you to picture this for a second. Picture yourself on a battlefront. And I want you to picture yourself in a trench. I think many of us can relate to World War you know, one and two, when we see these pictures of men in trenches and, and they were taking ground, trench after trench and, and ground after ground. But it was in the midst of those moments where enemy fire would happen and, and they would see the casualties of war around them. The truth is, is I know that each and every one of us have seen casualties of war. We've seen people around us who are struggling. We've seen people around us who have taken a shot. And they're wounded. In fact, today, I, I, I just, I'm tired of seeing people in the midst of the trenches struggling in their marriage. I'm tired of seeing people who are struggling, addicted to pornography when God set them free from that. I'm tired of seeing people battling sickness and disease when God says he is our healer. I'm tired of seeing people who are struggling financially when God says, my supply, I am enough. I'm tired of seeing people walk around defeated mentally and physically and giving up on the dreams that God put in them. And today, I hope that you hear this, and that is this, is my prayer is today that you will attempt to do great things for God. That today you will leave differently than when you came in. That though you may have walked in not expecting really a whole lot from God, you would leave today saying, Today, I met with God. Today, I was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Today, God breathed fresh life into my life. And I'm willing to attempt to do great things for him. What if I told you in the midst of the battle, instead of focusing on the casualties, what if I told you there was a secret power that you and I had? Better than any superhero power, Better than anything else out there, better than any weapon that could be forged, this superpower is the Holy Spirit. (coughs) And here's what the Holy Spirit desires to do. The Holy Spirit desires 
to fill each and every one of us. See, when you give your life to Christ and you are set free from sin, it's in that moment when the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside of you. And in that moment of him dwelling inside of you, what then happens is, is the Holy Spirit is ready to be activated, like a switch ready to be turned on. But for many of us, what has happened is, is we've left the switch down. The Holy Spirit's there, he's present in our lives, but we have left the switch turned down. We, we're satisfied with being saved. We're like, you know what? I get to go to heaven if I'm saved, right? Yes. And so we live a life defeated because we haven't activated the power of the Holy Spirit. I think about this last year and what we faced. And I wish I could say it was in this last year where my relationship with God grew only stronger because I spent more time praying in the Spirit. But what I realized was is that in my life there was many times where I myself became defeated because I was trying to figure it out in my own understanding. And instead of activating my heavenly prayer language, praying in the Spirit, I would try to figure it out by praying certain things. Well, if I pray this way or I do this, and the Holy Spirit was reminding me, Brian, you have had an activation point in your life. You have the power of the Holy Spirit living in you, and I will partner with your prayers when you activate the switch and turn on the Holy Spirit. But for many of us, we fall back. We try to figure it out, and instead of attempting great things for God and expecting for great things from God, we try to figure it out on our own. But what if in the midst of it, we could expect God to do the impossible? What if in the midst of it, we could begin to say, you know what, if this, this moment right now, today, what if today, and I, and I know today is Pentecost Sunday, and and we celebrate that, and, and it, it makes sense to do a message on the Holy Spirit. But what if God, what if God just wanted to do something even more so today? What if, what if he really wanted to pour his spirit out like the word of God tells us? What if today we had expectation? If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, and we'll read from Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, in a passage that's probably very familiar to many of us. The birthplace of the church. The moment when the Holy Spirit came and dwelt among men. It's in this moment where we see that they were celebrating the feast of Pentecost in Jerusalem. They had gone, they had waited in the upper room, about 120 of them. And they were waiting on the Holy Spirit. They were waiting on the gift that had been promised to them. And scholars remind us that it's during this time of Pentecost that it was known as one of the most ancient religious festivals that was being celebrated. It was known as the Feast of Weeks or Harvest, and it was dedicated as a time and a season to give gratitude and thanks to God. What we're going to read about here in a moment is like the inauguration service of the Holy Spirit. It's the moment when the Holy Spirit comes onto the scene and changes everything. I think about all the graduations that are to come our own son is getting ready to graduate. In fact, if you want to come to his open house, Kasha said, are you going to invite the whole church? I said, yeah, why not? You can come to his open house. It's when again, Kasha? June 12th. What time? 12 o'clock till 3. We'll feed you at 12 o'clock to 3. You want to come hang out? It's here at the church. There you go. You're invited. <laughs> 
But I was thinking about him graduating. I was thinking about other kids that are graduating right now. And I was thinking about it's in these moments where we say, you are being recognized as learning something throughout this season. Now go change the world, right? That's what we tell them, right? We say, hey, you've learned something. Now go change the world. We want them to go change the world. Why? Because we know the world needs changing. But could it be that what we're actually doing is sometimes sending our kids out without the real power source? And I want to challenge us to think this. And this is what the Lord was challenging me to. Brian, are you sending your son out with my power or his power? See, it's really easy for me to focus on, well, he's really great in school, he's a great athlete, he does this, this, that. I can focus in on those type of things. And I can go, well, he doesn't do really good here. Man, sometimes he's a little stubborn here. And I can look at those things and look at the negative things, right? But when I actually, as a parent, say, I want you, Gabe, to go out and change the world, I say that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit's living inside of him, then what happens is, is when he faces things he doesn't know what to do, the Spirit begins to make intercession. In. It's in that moment where the power of the Spirit comes out in him, and he begins to say, you know what, no, no, I'm an overcomer. I have victory in this. I don't have to live defeated. I actually can live free. And so here we're getting ready to read about the Holy Spirit working through mankind. And we see there's a sound, we see there's a wind, we see that there's tongues of fire. And in fact, if you're not familiar with the Holy Spirit, you're going to read this with us and you're going to think that sounds a little weird. And how many of you know there are some things that have to do with God that are a little different? It just, it's okay. Let's just call it out. It's different. The idea of tongues of fire sitting on someone's head is weird. Like, I've never been anywhere where I walked into the room and I was like, oh, nice tongues of fire. <laughs> I mean, what does that even look like? Is it a long tongue? Is it a, is it a short tongue? Like, what is it? What, what is the tongue of fire? I, I don't know. Was it, was it like this little flame? That's kind of how I picture it, like this little tiny flame that's on top of their head. And everyone, like, I don't know. But here's what it says. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. That's a key all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. Okay, so maybe it's just, maybe it's tongues speaking of the language portion of it. It says, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now notice it doesn't say that some were filled with the Spirit. It says all. Some people have said this, you know, Pastor Brian, I don't know if the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for everyone. And I would say this, I believe it is for everyone. I believe that God has power for each and every one of us as believers, as followers of Christ. He's given you and I access to a heavenly prayer language. And I know it sounds weird. When you hear someone speaking in tongues in a language that you do not know, it's weird. If someone was in here speaking in Spanish, I would say that's weird. Because why? I don't understand Spanish. If they're speaking in French, I would say, that's weird. I don't understand French. It's something that's unknown to me. But here's what I love about the Holy Spirit is I have been around people who have been praying in their heavenly prayer language. And one thing, though I did not understand what they were saying, I did understand the Spirit and what God was saying in and through them. 
It says not just some of them were filled, but all were filled. I was talking with a dear friend of mine here a while back, and he had been seeking the Lord for a long time for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In fact, he grew up in the church, had been asking for it, and years had gone by, and really nothing had happened. And I believe it was about a year ago, well, maybe two years ago, his daughter went away with our student ministry, and she received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it changed her life. And she came home and was telling her dad about it, and it reactivated something inside of him to say, you know what, I want to be filled with the Spirit. And I remember talking with him and him sharing with me, man, I really, Pastor Brian, like, I really want that. I really desire that gift. And I said, just ask for it. He said, man, I've been asking for it. And I said, well, then don't stop. Just keep asking for it. I'll never forget when he called me on the phone and said, man, I received my prayer language and I just can't stop. He's like, man, it just started flowing out of me. And he's like, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. In fact, my mind was saying, is this it? And I was just like, I don't know. And it's like, he's like, he's trying to process through all of it. And we talked through it. And I said, I really believe that's what it is. And, and like anything, you need to activate it and use it more in your life. And the more you use it, the more familiar you'll get with it. And the more familiar you are with it, the more of that will come out in moments when it should. I asked him, I said, and I sent him this text yesterday, I said, hey, I specifically said, when you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues, you said it changed your life. How would you describe the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And here's, here's what he sent me. He said, it's an amazing connection with the Lord. When I don't know what to pray for or when I just want to connect with him randomly, I pray in my prayer language. I was thinking about that little quote that he gave me, and I was thinking about that is exactly what the Holy Spirit is constantly doing through each and every one of us. See, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, and and there were times where there were weird moments. Like I remember times where we would be sitting in a gathering and, and all of a sudden the musicians would get lower and, and you would see, you'd kind of feel like there was this resting point. And all of a sudden someone would give a message in tongues. And it was weird. It was. I'm just saying it was, it was weird. And I would sit there and I, I, would, I remember as a young boy going, that's different, that's weird. But at the same time going, something is happening. And then someone would give a message and an interpretation. And there would be a, a delivery of a word. And there was times where that word felt like God was directly speaking to me. And those times were moments of, of admiration, moments where it was encouragement to the church. Sometimes it was moments of correction that were connected to encouragement. But God would speak to his church in those different ways. And I remember those moments happening, and I remember just watching that. And, and then particularly, I remember my grandmother. My grandmother was really sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And I would watch my grandmother sit down in the pew. And as she would go to sit down, I remember those moments because I would think, uh-oh, something's brewing in Grandma. And she would just sit there and she would just begin praying and praying and praying. And I would hear her praying in tongues right there in her seat. And all of a sudden that moment would happen in the gathering where the person leading would just be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And would just say, we're just going to wait on the Lord. I just believe the Lord has a word for us. 
And I remember my little grandmother, this very shy, very reserved woman, all of a sudden becoming this powerhouse for Jesus. And she would just give this message in tongues. And I remember times where my grandma would then interpret the message that she had given. In fact, that's what the Bible actually talks about. That you need to be willing to interpret. Because without the interpretation, what, it, what good is it for the whole body? That's what the Bible talks about. And so today we're talking about this idea of something that may seem weird, but yet should be a part of the church, should be a part of the body of Christ. Why? Because it should be a part of our lives because God wants to speak to us. That he has a prophetic word he wants to speak to the church. Sometimes we come in and, and we feel like God's really laying something on our heart to say something to someone and come to them with an encouragement from the Lord. And sometimes we're disobedient. I love what Kasha was sharing a few weeks back, talking about seven seconds to obey. you got seven seconds to obey the Holy Spirit. Why? Because after that seven seconds, normally you're right on to something else. But when the Holy Spirit's prompting your heart, follow it. Be obedient. Attempt great things for God. So, Pastor Brian, why, why the Holy Spirit? Why, why all this? Well, the Bible actually tells us why. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I believe this, that God knew that we needed more than just his written word to share our faith. Now don't hang me out to dry as a heretic by saying that, okay? But it's not just God's word. It's the Holy Spirit that activates God's word in and through our lives. We hide God's word in our hearts so that we may not, what, sin against God. But sinning against God is not being powerful and doing the things that God's called us to do. We're actually called to do great things for God. We're called to expect great things for God. We're called to be his witnesses. And I believe this, that the Father knew that we would need more than just the written word. So he sent to us the Holy Spirit. And he said, listen, I'm sending to you the helper, the Holy Spirit, and you will do even greater things than me. Now, how many of you think that's crazy? That is crazy. Because why? Well, because Jesus healed sick people. He raised a guy back to life. He, he, he spit in the mud and smeared it in a guy's eyes and he received his sight. He spoke to a demon-possessed man and said, you know, be cast out. And then the demons went into pigs and ran over a cliff. That's weird. That's crazy. And we are told that we will do even greater things. How does that even happen? It's when we flip the switch on. It's when we flip the switch on. Paul talks about the Holy Spirit in Ephesians chapter 6. This has been the whole, kind of like the, the key chapter we've been talking about in this idea of battle plans. It's, it's right after the battle that Paul is saying, listen, you battle against flesh and, not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, darkness, rulers in high places. And, and he says, so you need to put on the full armor of God. And then he says this, praying at all times in the Spirit. Activating the Holy Spirit in our lives with all prayer, supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making application for all the saints and also for me, that the words may be given to me, opening in my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. 
we have been given power through the Holy Spirit. You see, you have boldness that's available to you. It's a secret weapon in the midst of the battlefield. It's the thing that instead of focusing on the casualties of war that are around us, we focus on the power that's been given to us. The Holy Spirit was given to you and I to be conquerors, to be overcomers, to be victorious, to be dreamers, to be doers. Just want to share with you quickly three points to the Holy Spirit. Three things the Holy Spirit does in us. The first thing is this, is the Holy Spirit changes us. The second thing is, is the Holy Spirit empowers us, or excuse me, unifies us. And the third thing is, is the Holy Spirit empowers us. So he changes us, unifies us, and empowers us. Let's just focus in real quickly on the changes us. See, the Holy Spirit is the one who's constantly convicting us of sin. When I do something wrong, the Holy Spirit's like, Brian, that was dumb. The Holy Spirit's the one who convicts me. Guess what? It's not my wife. It's not someone else. It's not someone who gets on Facebook and puts the things that I shouldn't do. That's not who convicts me. It's the Holy Spirit who convicts me. Guess what? Your role is not to be the Holy Spirit. Be thou set free. (laughs) You don't have to call out the sins around you. Be set free. You do not have to be the one to bring conviction to other people's lives. Be set free. So then what? Well, what, what's our role? Our role is to be used by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts people. Our role is to actually love people. Here, John 16, verse 8 says, And when he, speaking of the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me. So Jesus is sharing with his disciples, listen, the Holy Spirit's coming. I'm going to go away. He's the helper. And his job is to convict. His job is to empower. His job is the one who will bring about righteousness and judgment. A few chapters ahead of that, in John 14, 26, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. See, it's the Holy Spirit that teaches us. It's the Holy Spirit that changes us. It's the Holy Spirit that's working inside of us. It's the Holy Spirit that's helping me to make change in my life. Every time I'm trying to make change, it's like when I try to do it in my own resources, I realize I fall short. But when I say, Father, I need your help. I need your help in this area of my life. The Holy Spirit is faithful to teach and to walk through those. One of the greatest and most impactful teachers that I can think of in my life was teachers when I was younger who actually cared for me and nurtured me and actually began to help me rather than just point out all the things I did wrong. Have you ever had a teacher in school who just focused on all the negative? You probably didn't learn real well from that teacher. But the teacher that nurtured you and cared for you and and taught you and, and actually tried to even figure out the way that you were learning, that teacher made an impact on your life. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit's constantly changing us by teaching us. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says, What no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor heart or of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. 
For the Spirit searches everything, even in the depths of God. So what's happening? God is refining us. He's working in and through us. David prayed this way. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. David knew he couldn't do it on his own. He knew that he needed the Spirit of God to draw him in to right relationship. The first thing that the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit changes us. The second thing is, is the Holy Spirit unifies us. We are living in a time right now where we need unity more than ever. But unity will never be found through a march or through a movement around us that is not grounded upon the gospel, the good news. I'm not saying that there aren't injustices, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't take stands for the injustices that are happening around us. But I am saying this, the only thing that will truly unify us together, I believe, is God. And we, the church, should see others as God sees them. If we did that, racism in the church would be gone. I was talking with someone the other day over dinner, and she was talking about the vaccine and I know this is going to be controversial, so I'll just say it. She was talking about the vaccine, and this person was really concerned. And they were an African-American person, and they said, you know what, I'm just concerned about it because all the trials have been done on, on white people, and there was just this concern. And, and she looked at him, and she said this. She said, you know, here's the thing. You pull back our skin, and we're all made exactly the same. She said, you, you, it's just, you just have different melatonin in you. You're all made the same, all of us, regardless of our, our, our color, our, our ethnicity, our background. And we, the church, need to remember that. Like, we have some dark histories in our past, like Pastor Bryce was talking about last week. Things that we should be ashamed of. But we know better. We know that we are all created in the image of Christ. Each and every one of us. Listen. Even people around us who don't think like us, vote like us, act like us, who are confused, whatever you may say, they are still made in the image of God. Our responsibility as Christ followers is to activate our heavenly prayer language in our lives so that we can then be witnesses to others about what Christ has done in our lives. We have freedom. We have freedom to be who God's called us to be, and that's what unites us together. You know, my wife and I are very different, very different, extremely different, crazy different. She's organized, and I'm super organized. Maybe not. <laughs> not quite as organized. I've tried to become more organized. Why? Because I'm trying to be unified with her. But you know the one thing that unifies us together like nothing else is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. You know, we finish each other's sandwiches because of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> a little Disney plug right there. So you want to have a great marriage? Be filled with the Spirit. You want to be the best employee? Be filled with the Spirit. You want to be the best boss? Be filled with the Spirit. You want to be the best leader? Be filled with the Spirit. You want to be the best son or daughter, be filled with the Spirit. Because why? The Spirit unifies us together. The Spirit brings us together, though we're different. See, the Holy Spirit is like our, our prayer partner. And I want you to think about this. 
If you knew that when you were praying for somebody, the, that you could have God coming right alongside of you in those moments of prayer, how many of you would say, I want that? Well, of course we would. That's what the Holy Spirit is. It's partnering, it's saying, okay, here I am. Father, use me in this moment. I don't know what to pray in this moment, but I'm going to intercede. I'm going to activate my heavenly prayer lines. I'm going to flip the switch on. And the Holy Spirit unifies us together. It's when we activate the Holy Spirit in our lives that we're connected to him then as a prayer partner. Ephesians 4 says this, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord. Now think about it. Paul's writing this as a prisoner. If anyone had reason to complain, anyone had reason to say, woe is me, life is horrible, it's Paul. He writes most of the New Testament while in chains. Paul. Why? Because Paul thought, Paul, Paul thought this. He said, maybe the way for me to get in front of Rome, to get in front of leaders, is to actually be put in chains. Maybe the way to make change around me is to actually be in chains for the gospel. And that's how I'll be a witness. Because why? Paul knew that the Holy Spirit activated in his life would actually unify others together. He says this, urge you to walk in the manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of what? The Spirit. It's the Spirit that unifies us together. And it's in the Spirit where then we have the bond of peace. Your peace should not be for sale. And if your peace has been for sale, I would probably say you haven't activated or turned the switch on of the Holy Spirit on in your life. So what if today you did? What if today we were unified with God through prayer and that unified spirit actually allowed us to go and be the hands and feet of Jesus to a community that's around us? See, God wants to use you and he wants you and I to recognize that he's changed our lives and that he's unified us together in the spirit. But see, what, what the enemy wants to do is the enemy wants you to be isolated. And the way the enemy does that is sometimes he uses sin. We feel guilty and we go, man, I can't go to church because why? Well, because this week I acted like the devil. Right? Come on now. I've heard people say things like, oh, I couldn't ever step in foot into church because if I stepped in there, God would strike me dead. That's exactly where you need to be, is in church. So listen, don't let the enemy tell you stupid lies like, oh, you live like the world all week long. You can't go to church on the weekend because only perfect people, only good people, only people who have it together can come to church. Now, can I just tell you, the church is a place for broken people. You're broken, I'm broken. Now, hopefully, as time goes on, we're not as broken as we once started, right? I don't want to look back and be like, oh, I'm still the same. <laughs> oh, I haven't grown at all in my relationship with Christ. That's not the goal. The goal is to take some steps. The enemy wants to isolate you. He wants to take you away from God. He wants to take you away from God's people. He wants you to think that no one cares. He wants you to think there's no one out there who even, who even believes that you're even worth saving. He wants you to think there's no hope. He wants you to think that you can even be like God yourself. Like you just figured out yourself. But the Holy Spirit is the one who changes us, and the Holy Spirit is the one who unifies us. Acts chapter 4, verse 31, later we read, or the, this moment of the church erupting onto the scene, it says this, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on, all, again, all, filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with what? 
boldness. And now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. It's the Holy Spirit who unifies us. And the last is this. It's the Holy Spirit who empowers us. Not only does he change us through conviction and teaching, and not only does he unify us, but he empowers us. If I was to have a bag of tools up here and think about it for a second, we all have cordless drills and things at home. Ever gone to use it and the battery wasn't charged? It's pretty frustrating. The beauty is, is that when you plug into the Holy Spirit, you never have to worry about it not being charged. You don't ever have to worry about when you flip the switch of saying, no, I don't have anything. Because the Holy Spirit is always there. We see this example through Peter who in Acts we see has this encounter where he's filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The same guy that denied Christ. The same guy that when, when people were coming to him he kind of ran. The same guy who pulled out his sword though and, and just in fear and trying to control the situation cuts off a servant's ear. Like the same guy who blew it, right? That same guy when filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit goes from being the shy guy who's pulled back to now being someone who's bold. Because why? The Holy Spirit has come upon him. And so he goes on, he begins speaking, and he begins sharing, and people are saying, what's going on here? Because what that's happening is they're hearing different people speaking in their native language. And they're confused. Because they're looking at them and saying, there's no way that you could be speaking in that native language because... You're not one of us. There's no way that you could know that language, but yet they're hearing it. So some people start thinking, man, maybe they're drunk. Peter comes on the scene. He's like, no one's drunk. It's the Holy Spirit who's come upon them. And that day, over 3,000 people are saved, and that's the birthday of the church. That's the moment where 3,000 people are baptized and received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's when 14 different ethnic groups heard the gospel in their native dialects. It's that day that changes everything. It's that day that the church is born. It's in that day when Gentiles are added to their number each and every day, like in Acts chapter 10. Why? Because the power of the Holy Spirit is dwelling upon them. Was it weird? I'm sure it was. But maybe, just maybe, God wants to do some weird things in and through us. Acts 1 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I was praying, and I asked the Lord, I said, God, what, what is it that you want us to do today? I was like, do you want us to go back old school, open up the altars, and have people come up front? And I just felt like the Lord today said this. It's not going to be that moment, but I'm going to fill people with the baptism of the Holy Spirit when they ask in their homes and in their cars and when they're reading the word. And I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to expect God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And I want to challenge you to attempt to believe God for that. What if you left today like my dear friend Mark, who said, I've wanted it, and I've been seeking it for years. But this time, something changed. This time, he was expecting. If God can do it for my daughter, I know God can do it for me. 
And so he began asking. And he began expecting. And then he just took moments to attempt. And he just got along with God. And he just said things like this, God, like, I don't know how this works. But your word says that if I ask, I can receive. Your word says that there's a heavenly prayer language that's been given for me. And I don't fully understand it. In fact, I know some people who don't even agree with it. But if it's in your word, I sure would like it. If it's in your word, I sure would love to be empowered by it. And so today, I'm going to attempt something. I'm going to attempt it with expectation. And so right now, I ask that you would fill me with your presence. I'm flipping the switch on. And though my brain may say it's weird, and I may not even fully understand it, I want to activate it in my life. Father, I pray for every person here, every person within the sound of my voice that's watching. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be activated in the hearts and lives of your people. Activate in the hearts and lives of your people. God, may we be people who say, We are people not of this world, but people of the Spirit. May you empower us to go and to be witnesses. May you empower us in moments where maybe we're even praying for someone and we don't know what else to pray, and the Spirit just takes over. And we activate that heavenly prayer language. And the Holy Spirit partners with us and we join together with him. God, I thank you that you're alive, that you're moving, that you're speaking, and that your promises are still true today. And I believe, God, as we've just begun to scratch the surface of the Holy Spirit, I believe that today you want to fill some people up. Maybe even in this moment, in moments when they're in their homes, in moments in their prayer time, maybe even moments where they would just begin soaping and they're just spending time in the Word and as later this week we'll be in Hebrews and they're just sitting there and they're going, man, I just, I just want to spend time in God's Word. It's in that moment where the Holy Spirit would be activated and the switch would turn. People would receive their heavenly prayer language. God, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for the power of prayer. And I thank you, God, that when we ask with expectation. We expect, and so we attempt. We expect, and so we attempt to do things for you. God, I love you, and I thank you for all that you're doing in this place. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen.